Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies talking about cinema. From 88.9, I'm Justin Barney. From Milwaukee Film, I'm Christopher Pollard. And together we are Cinnabuds. And today we are talking about the movie Nomadland. You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. And they sometimes call you Nomads. My mom says that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. Nomadland is the film based on the nonfiction book Nomadland. It follows Fern, who's played by Frances McDormand. She lived in Empire, Nevada, and the mine that she that ran the town closed down, and it took the whole city down too. Within a couple of years, the entire city became a ghost town. And Nomadland catches Fern navigating this life that she chooses after the mine, one as a nomad. It was filmed over four months, over seven states. Francis McDormand and Dave Strathairn yeah. are the only two professional actors. Everyone else is part of this real nomad community. The plot in Nomadland is kind of like loose and ambling. A lot of it feels like a documentary because it kind of is with all of these other actors or not not actors at all. All of these like very real people that they talk to. It's immediately been acclaimed across the board. It's got racked up a ton of nominations. It's got a lot of hype. It's on the end of a lot of year-end lists. Kay Polly, what did you think of Nomadland? Um, a couple of things. One, yeah. it, it, I mean, right off the bat, it, all the hype is completely legitimate. And, and and warranted. It's a brilliant, brilliant movie. It is also one of the loneliest, saddest movies I've seen in a long time. Uh-huh. I think they capture loneliness better than almost any movie I've ever seen. Uh, and it, 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 there were moments when I was like, if I didn't have to watch this for the podcast, I may take a break from it. But I, I, uh, I watched it straight through, and I'm glad I did because you get the full effect of the power of that movie uh, because of that. But it, it's difficult. I mean, it can be difficult, especially pandemic times. It's just it, I feel like the main one of the main themes of this film is loneliness, and they really drive it home. Even in joyous moments, you can sense it. So I think, and then obviously, Francis McDormand's brilliant and so uh thumbs up i might challenge you a bit there i did not find it there were times where i felt like i thought maybe it was sad yeah but i did not i did not i did not leave this movie feeling sad coming out of this movie i uh i felt happy no i get that let me uh qualify it a little bit by saying i don't think that you leave it that way. And I think there are moments that have like hope and joy in them for sure. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the through line, the thing that's being fought against the thing that's kind of overpowering in, in the story is the loneliness, but then you can't have a movie that's just loneliness. Cause that's just, why would you do that to a person? So, they, but they do have these moments of community, these moments of hope, yeah. these moments of like busting through that loneliness. So that's mm-hmm. definitely there. So I left the film with my face completely drenched, mm-hmm. but still, I like I felt still felt that kind of heart rack from most of it. 
but obviously yeah. there is some poignancy and some and some hope in it. I thought it was an incredibly interesting movie in the way that the narrative that there's a lot that happens in the movie and there's also kind of like nothing that happens in the movie and so much of it is internal. And also I felt like it showed this portrayal of a life chosen that is not often shown. And it showed this side of like what she is doing in the community that she's in, in a way that like I have never seen before. And in a way that, that I thought was, I thought was very fair. And I felt like it, it just, it told the story in a very plain way. And it showed this, this community of nomads in a way that I hadn't seen before. And it was like part ethnography. I think, I think Werner Herzog would love this. Also this great kind of like internal struggle from the main character. It was never too dramatic. It was never too one side or the other. It didn't like glorify. I felt like it was extremely even keeled and very good. I felt like it was, it was an incredible story told for sure. Okay. We are going to get more into it after the break. Stay with us. Every time you tune into 88.9, you discover something new. Your musical horizons expand or you journey to a new corner of Milwaukee. Our programming introduces you to new artists, finds hope and inspiration in our community, and connects you to your neighbors. If you enjoy Radio Milwaukee, then we invite you to make another discovery. The power of membership. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart to learn more. Okay, we are back. Hello. And uh, I, I'm not sure where to start with Nomadland because... Yeah, there's a few things. I, w- I can start with the director yeah. real quick. Okay, yeah. That's a great um, place to start. I'm very interested in... Uh, Chloe Zhao is her name. And she previously... The, I'm only familiar with... I'm familiar with the, the, the film Songs My Brother Taught Me uh, from 2015. I have not seen it, but I've heard about it. It was a big festival film. Okay, I'm um, not even familiar with that. Yeah, and then, but then uh, in 2017, I did see The Writer, uh, which was a, a similar film in the sense that it's non-actors, that similar tone, a similar look, even. Uh, it, it's about, and they have to very much telling a story that has to do with the actors slash subjects' life. Like The Writer is very much a combination documentary uh, fiction film. And that is very much what this is. Yes, exactly. So I'm really fascinated uh, by the stuff that she's put out. I am even more fascinated by the fact that you have these kind of somber, touching, quiet stories. And now she's tapped to direct a Marvel film called The Eternals in in 2021. Uh, Interesting. It's so like Marvel good good on you to choose these interesting directors with various voices but wow, such a strange jump the into marvel that version of <laughs> nomadland yes it's just like wolverine you know just yeah. like out there fixing a tire and yeah giving out um, rocks selling rocks on the highway <laughs> Well, I think that her I think that her direction really made this movie. There is like there are clips where Frances McDormand is she is she is a nomad and she 
so her, this, the place where she was living is sent that became a ghost town. And so she is out, she is on her own. She is fiercely independent. She yeah, is, that very. is like kind of like the through line through everything is that like, this is her choice and she has plenty of chances to, to, uh, do something else. And kind of like you're in, you know, in your brain, it kind of says like, why aren't you like doing these things? And it is like, she again has to say, you know, she has to like fight the narrative to be with a family, to, uh, live, live a, a, a conventional lifestyle. And so she keeps on having to fight this battle to, to say, I am going to live this unconventional lifestyle. This is this is what makes me happy and this is what I'm choosing. And so she finds this like she finds herself as a nomad because that is what she needs. And it is very much her choice. And then it is her navigating this world um in this like sometimes in this community of nomads and that direction. And there was like times when she was talking to these other nomads that were giving you like insight into like how she lived and what their motives were and why they chose this lifestyle that were so incredibly touching and revealing. And there were times where I was like, there's no way that this person can be acting. This is not acting. This is life. And it's like, Yes, it was life. These were real people telling their real stories of the real uh, like alternative lifestyle that they chose. And I thought it was a really uh, a, a really gracious way to portray this dignity, this dignified life which they chose, which a lot of people don't understand and which it fought to kind of like make you understand this this lifestyle that maybe you would that I think is typically looked down on, but it showed the dignity and the humanity of which they live and the choices that they made that led them to this point that I think was extremely compelling. And let's, let's also be clear what nomad is. We keep saying nomad, but uh, so what we mean by that is, or what the film means by that, it's a, it's a bunch of people who live in RVs, vans, uh, you know, trailers, and they live without, uh, like they'll get odd jobs here and there and they sometimes, she form, does. yeah. And they sometimes form a community out in like public land, but yep. they live independent. They trade with each other. They help each other without having to like get involved they, in the kind of capitalist system essentially, except other than yeah. getting a job at Amazon on occasion. And I loved how it showed her jobs and, uh, yeah. and suddenly she, she's at a new job and you understand that this is, She's not having a job so that she can buy a house and have a family. Like her operatives for having this job are different. You know, yeah. she uh, she is uh, she is choosing this lifestyle, and I I loved that. I loved how it showed. Just like suddenly she's at a different job. She's in a different place. Yeah, that's what she's doing. And it's interesting. They talked to her. I read this great article where they talked about Frances McDormand's approach, and uh, the director said she really wanted her just to be a version of her. And the, and they even said that this is like the closest to Francis McDormand you get as a person, even though it's a role that she chose and she made choices for it. It's the closest to her because she, it was like, what would I as Francis McDormand be like in this situation? They even had her take these odd jobs that she had at like uh wall drug and Amazon and all these other places. She actually did those jobs a little bit for a while to kind of get into too. the character. Yeah. She, she, she was a beat farmer, you know, she, 
she did that. And they really wanted, like, they were. She was really trying to get like the most reality out of this situation because mm-hmm. Frances McDormand, one of the only two actors in the film, but they even uh, her best friend uh, in real life plays her sister in the film. They she tried to get more of her family into the film just so there was that like immediate connection but yeah. she's like oh, this is getting a little too a little too close to home sure <laughs> but it's really interesting to the lengths that they went to to get this to be a certain way yes i really and, nice. and, and before you were talking about like the sadness and like and the and the loneliness and there is a sadness and loneliness but also like it, the reason that that i felt so good about it is because when she is at her loneliness her loneliest she's also at her happiest there there are like the most beautiful and brilliant scenes in it are francis mcdormand naked drifting through a river or her in the rain standing on the edge of a cliff yeah you know those moments where she is by herself walking through the badlands looking at rocks you know, those I think you can see those and say, hey, how terribly lonely. But that is not what she you know, was feeling. That is where she was the least lonely. She was see, the most lonely in it <laughs> when she was around all these other people that were trying to tell her how to live her life. You well, know, I'm not she sure was, about that. I gotta be I gotta be honest. I'm not sure. Okay. And here's why. Cause I I I was gonna talk about that scene too. So there's a scene where she's just off. Like, yeah, enjoying nature. She's like bathing in this stream and they're mm-hmm. beautiful. But here's one of the interesting things about the movie that I've, we've talked about this a lot lately, actually, is mm-hmm. the music in it is mm-hmm. one. The music in it is phenomenal and really creates helps to highlight the mood or create the mood. But the music in those scenes has sadness in it. Like has a sadness, sadness in it too. Yeah, I think that there is a sadness in her life, and there's yeah. even there is there is like this thing. Uh, there's a conversation at the end where it was like, it's okay, you know. It is like you sometimes sometimes people never get over it or don't recover, and that's yeah. okay, right? And right. I feel like that was the central like meaning of this is like here's this person that is like living with this sadness. And that's okay. And this is how she's coping with it. And this is how she is happy. She has all opportunities left and right to do all these other things. She is doing what makes, what makes the most sense and what makes her happiest. Even when it is extremely difficult and people are trying to tell her not to do it, that is what she is doing. There is a sadness there. Yeah. I think that's the the interesting thing. I think we're saying similar things, but yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, she's like, you said at her happiest. And that made me like recoil. Cause I'm like, what? is her happiest because the moments that you think should be like these delightful moments, like you pointed out still have this somberness to them. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not, and it's like not a, not no judgment on that somberness. Sure. We all have it all the Mm -hmm. time and different, different amounts, but it's, that's the cool thing about this movie is that even in these happy moments, never forget that there is this sadness and loneliness too, too. Because all those things that she's, I mean, independence and loneliness, those, they go hand in, they can go hand in hand. There's like a Venn Venn diagram of it. Uh, So you see her doing these independent things, but she's also resisting human connection in in parts with David Strathairn's character, who clearly has a little crush on her. And they Uh they keep meeting up. And this is another 
this is why this movie is interesting and uh, more complicated than some films. It is. You you want them. There's a part of a big part of you that wants them to get together, and she's resist. She's she's getting a friendship. She's developing a friendship with him, but she's keeping him at arm's length because she is on her own. That is, like you said, the decisions she's made. Yes, but he's the sweetest guy in the world. He's such a sweetheart. He's got the voice that matches the sweetness, and he wants her in his life. He's not pushy about it. He just invites her, and he just tells. I love how they portrayed that relationship too, where he doesn't push her. He yeah. just like, I love how they showed how he, he, there's a, there's like two sentences where he, he opens that door and then he allows her to, you know, he, he is, he is respectful, but, and, and there, I, yeah. I, I really love that dynamic and how delicately they like handled that. Yeah. And you kind of yeah. yeah, like, uh, even at the end when, uh, you know, a decision is made. You see how uh, actually uh, to me, and we can talk about this. The ending seems ambiguous to me uh, yeah. a little bit, which is great. Uh, it was actually kind of perfect for this movie. So I don't know what happens, what choice she made, but there's a point at which I was like, I understand that this where the movie is not, is no judgment on either of these lifestyles. <laughs> and yet I desperately want you to make one choice and I'm not sure that you're going to make it. <laughs> And it's not about me, but I'm watching this movie and I have a part in it and I want something. <laughs> and I, and I think that that was, I think that was like such a beautiful part of the movie is yeah. like, you have to surrender your agency. Yeah. You have to like, you have to surrender your dependence and say, you know, you have to submit to what is making her happiest. You have, you too have to resist the money that's being handed out. <laughs> yeah. You have to like, or, or you, you have don't. to be in this, or you don't, or, <laughs> or you don't. And that's an okay choice too, where this movie is all about two choices. But honestly, you could just be like, oh, I wanted you to for that. But I still feel like you get the idea that like, it's okay that you didn't choose the one that I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, and that, and that is like a big part of this is yeah. like, is understanding this lifestyle and the way that she lives her life. And her making the tough decisions because there was a sadness there. And every time you see her have the opportunity, you think, oh, that will alleviate the sadness within her soul. And uh, she knows that it won't. Yeah. And uh, you have to resist your own, your own nature to say like, oh, this is what you need. Let me tell you like what you need and, and, and listen to her really examining and doing the difficult thing of choosing what she needs. You know, what's interesting is I just finished reading this book called The Moneyless Man, which is so interesting because some of the terms they're using in the movie, I was like, oh, I just read this because he lived without money for a full year. Yeah. And in this community, it's not necessarily living without money. They still go out and get jobs, but it's very similar where it's a lot of bartering, you trade. If you have, there's very much the, if you have something someone needs, give it to them. And then the, the hope is that you will, someone will do the same for you. It's very interesting, and you see, and finding out, and you could tell that they were non actors in the film, and not because they're bad, but but because they're natural, and it, because like they said, were so good, yeah, because it seems like a documentary, and it it, it is in many ways. Um, but those non actors that were in it, uh, Linda May, and what was the uh, name of the other Swanky? So you got Linda May and Swanky, and the, the and uh, playing themselves. And Bob, who's like the head of this community that's out in the desert or kind of this land. But you listen to them talk and you know that this is based on the their actual lives and what they do. And they're so sweet. 
and there's and sometimes they're like cranky too. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. kind of amazing. And then to see Francis McDormand meet them at that level of performance where because uh, apparently on set, there was a lot of people who didn't know Fran- who Francis McDormand was. They thought she was just another nomad living I, I, in the community on the set. I read that too. Yeah. Which is really great. I mean, that's impressive. And she, they treat her just like uh, they treat one another, which she adored, you know, like this is just, because she had talked about how there's times in Hollywood, you want to just leave this and just move on. Yeah. So it, it's so interesting to learn all that about her and about the process because it adds some, in, in this particular case, it adds so much to the film because you know how much realness is in it. A much hyped film, like for in, in independent film people hearing about it. Um, and so I, and I really didn't look into it and know much about it before I watched it, which was really nice. Uh, and watching it was, it, like I, I talked about before, I've been watching a lot of junk and this was genuinely a challenging movie to watch for me. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you've been not, watching junk. Yeah, I know. I mean, I here and there I'll, I'll see a good movie and almost exclusively for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this was challenging to sit and watch, but it's so gratifying. Like I've been saying, like when I finally do watch a good quality movie, yeah. it's like, Oh, I forget how good at, good at this. Some people are. Dude, I, I, I feel like today I am qualified for uh, a, if you like this, you will also like this because I literally, oh. I just watched a movie that was very similar. Okay. Let's I, do I it. Wa- I just watched The Remains of the Day. Oh yeah? Have you seen that? I saw it when I was like a teenager, so I don't remember a thing about it other than who's in it. So it came out in 1993, and it has Hannibal Lecter in it. Yeah, starring um, it says starring Hannibal Lecter, starring as a butler. Hannibal Lecter. So Anthony Hopkins plays a butler, and he is like his his uh, the 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 people that he is butlering for are problematic. Uh, they're Nazis, uh, sure. and so he he either like is he he is not in conflict with it, but he also like might be in conflict with it. And so much of it is just internal. So much of it is just him thinking the whole time. And you're like, what's he thinking? What is eating him? What is going on in this guy's mind? And you're trying to like figure it out. Just like you're trying to figure out like what in Francis McDormand, you're like, what is this sadness? You know, what is she grappling with? What is she wrestling with? Why is she making these decisions? It was very much like so inside his head, the whole movie. And that was like, it was so gripping and compelling in the way that this was compelling to be like, there is, it is, there's not like plot points moving this on. The thing that is moving this story and that has me on the edge of my seat is like, what's going on in this person's head? Yeah. And I thought that that movie, The Remains of the Day, was like very much uh, similar in that the entire drive was the internal internal was the, was this was the state of mind was wrestling with what's going on in your life. I really, you know, I love that. That's great. I, I was thinking about this hard last night because I kept thinking, I know there's a film that this reminds me of specifically Mm. in the sense that it's this like spare tone things. I mean, it's not, it's like I said, not a slow movie at all, but it's this, quiet 
uh, focused movie. It's like you said, mostly interior um, or internal. Uh, the only things I don't think I'm coming up with the one I'm, th- I-, I feel like I've seen something like that. Uh, but there's two that do remind me of it in different ways. One is the piano by Jane Campion. Yeah. Especially kind of a very specific landscape. The music really tied in uh, to, to the, the tone piano the, or the pianist, the, the piano oh, with uh, Holly Hunter and a young Anna Paquin um, and Harvey Keitel. Who's very upset about that movie. <laughs> Have you ever heard Harvey Keitel cry in a in a movie? <laughs> You will never sleep. You'll you won't sleep for a week. Like no one cries like that. It's messed up. Anyway, <laughs> the piano had reminded a little bit of the piano in style uh, stylistically, and then certain women by Kelly Reichert, um, okay. which I think we talked about on the show. Possibly, um, I hadn't has, seen it, but we talked about Kelly Reichert because of first yeah, cow. Uh, such a such a quiet tone again kind of a rural landscape and a, a lot of subtle performances and quiet scenes though so i think those two kind of reminded me of this film but i know one day i'm gonna like go oh of course it's this one but yeah. it's you don't see a lot of movies like this i think that's why it's kind of hard to come up with because it's a it's a unique tone to have i think for so a film, too. especially with a bigger <clears throat> bigger name in it you know what it kind of reminded me of well, um have you bubble boy have you, <laughs> have you seen have you seen the tv show um high maintenance yes i've seen one episode it reminded there was a part of me that it it reminded me in part of high maintenance because high maintenance is kind of about choosing the right community for you and not being judgmental about that community and really doing some soul searching about who you are and doing and being with people that allow you to be um to be who you are in the moment of who you are if that makes sense um uh, and so it it reminded me of that like finding alternative communities and uh, uh really doing some soul searching and then identifying yourself with these other people who have seen the same things in themselves. Okay. You want to go spoily a dish? Yeah. All right. This is spoily a dish. What that means is we're going to reveal some stuff about the film. So if you haven't seen it and you don't like to be spoiled, uh, uh, stop listening. Actually keep listening for our ratings for our watches, but just turn, (laughs) turn the volume down and I'll call and I'll call you when we're done. All right. Okay, let, I I feel like we can't get into this movie without talking about grief. You know, sure. I just feel like there is because this this movie, I feel like it does such a great job of revealing itself of her just like initially being crushed by capitalism. And you're like, this is this is what capitalism does, you know? And this is now she's like in this grind and you're like, why won't she you know, she is rejecting the fact that she is uh, now homeless and she is she is like she's rejecting this idea. And then you see her like slowly accept it or accept this the lifestyle of a nomad. And then it becomes this kind of like ethnography and it kind of like reveals itself and her independence reveals itself. And then at the at like towards the end. It is like, okay, this is about grief. 
her husband died. And this is the thing that she can't get over or doesn't, not that she, like saying can't get over implies that she should get over it. It is like that, this is the, this is, uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape? You know, this is like the this is the central crux of the movie. And there was a part that I really loved where she's talking to this guy at the end, and there and he is talking about why he lives in this, and he is talking about the death of his son, and he says that his son died, and some people never get over that grief, and that's okay. Yeah, And it felt like that is what this is about. She cannot get over the grief of her husband and her whole, like her, everyone is trying to tell her to do that and providing ways. And she does not want to. She, and that's okay. And like, that was the central message is like, that's okay. And she is finding her own way to deal with it. And she is doing that. And, and, and that's okay. And it became this whole thing about, about grief and accepting the grief and living with that grief in the best way that suited her. And I felt like that was really, that's what I loved. Again, some of the most poignant moments in this film are not, are from the non-actors. Like when I was watching that guy tell that story and he gets choked up and I was like, this guy does not seem like a professional actor. Like he sounds like, no, right. But how did he create that? emotion in that scene, which I can only assume, and it's just an assumption, it's based on his actual life. Yeah. That's just a a guess, but because he is, he's choked up and he has a hard time talking, but he talks about it in a very real way, like a Mm non-scripted kind of way. And then I made me immediately go back to a scene where one of her good friends, uh, who Swanky, who talks about how she's about to move on with her her trailer and go see this uh, site that she loved so much. That was like one of her happiest moments. She wants to go to the Ah, same place and she reveals that she's going to die. Like she has only us so long to live that a doctor told her. So she goes, I just, I'm not going to stay in a hospital. I'm going to go live my life and re- and kind of find this place that made me so happy. Beautiful things. And then she recalls all the, and then she like tells about her life and the beautiful things that she has seen and, uh, and the beauty that sh- that this lifestyle as a nomad was able to give her and all those like quiet, poetic, beautiful moments. Yeah. So it's, and I want to reiterate, like when I started talking about this movie, I really focused in on the loneliness, which I do feel like is very pervasive in it because it's again, fighting it, you're fighting grief, you know, fighting and not, not giving in to grief, which mm-hmm. maybe you should is what the, is what you kind of come across. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have these moments of connection from somebody who is trying to stay at arm's length on occasion. Uh, but we get these moments of connection with these real people, real in the sense of the film and in real life. It, it makes these magical scenes kind of happen in the film and that you can really, really, really connect with. So it, I don't want it to come across as like, this is the most depressing film you'll ever see. No, right. it is sad and it is about loneliness and it, it can't hurt, but it's beautiful too. Not only in these, and also I should mention not just these characters and their stories, but uh, visually, yeah, I, I want to just uh, shoehorn Very this beautiful. in. <laughs> visually, it matches the music, the photography, and then the stories and the and the actors all work perfectly together. Yeah the 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 last the, the last bit I that 
is just like in my mind about this movie is in that scene where he's talking to and they talk about not wanting to you're like why doesn't she go with dave or her sister lets her you know is like you can stay here and you're like why she has family why doesn't she return to this family and uh, like in that scene at, at the end he talks about not forming these big relationships because you don't want to go through saying the goodbye again and right. that the that the big goodbye is is too much to bear and it's easier to have these relationships which she had when she has like she has these little relationships through the movie that clearly mean a lot to her and are and are her connection points, but she never gets too close because of like that hurt is too much. And yeah. I felt like that was really like revealing into her character. And uh, I really, I felt that, you mm-hmm. know, I, I felt that like just make a whole bunch of little relationships that don't matter and don't get too invested because you don't want to get too hurt. I was like, right. that is, that is some, that's real, yeah. you know? And that was that was really revealing and a, a part that I I really loved. Yeah, I mean the the <laughs> the reality. We keep talking about how this film is is part doc. It seems like a documentary. All the people in it are actually living this life, and how they wanted to get so close to the character. It's mm-hmm. really interesting how you can do this, do that, that be your goal, and still have poetry and photography and music. Like oh my a, a god! Cre- it's still a creatively driven film, but based and grounded in such reality. And there it, was so much music in this movie, so much, and it was real, real good. It was really great. There was that scene with like the old piano man. Oh, you yeah. remember that? <laughs> the, he's singing the blues song with this crazy yeah. outfit. Yes, uh, that was really great. Yeah. That was so great. And then there's a scene where um, Dave is playing piano with his son. Yeah. That was touching. There's this. There's this part where they sing as a group. That was real touching. There's like this. Um, they're like at a at a camp, and some guy is like playing guitar. And you, they, it's never like they ever like stop set and do like a full song or something like that. But it's just like how how music plays a role in all of our lives, and it, like it plays a role in this movie too, in in a way that was really beautiful. It's really funny. I also just noticed this, and I I had read that the. Frances McDormand's character, her name is Fern, yep. which is just a version of Fran. Like it's just like rearranging Fern and Fran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then David Strathairn's character is Dave is Dave. And all the other people who just essentially play themselves. Or just themselves. Um, is I just noticed that yeah, everyone just keeps their own name essentially in this movie. Yeah. Even uh, a, a person whose name is Matt Sphalos. But he goes by Noodle. I'm assuming that he goes by Noodle in real life too. Probably. That's my so. What guess. did you What did you think about the end? Uh, what thought, do you think happens? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know, and I'm okay with it. But my hope. This is what we was talking about. Like what I want versus what the character wants. Yeah. Uh, I like. I want her to have this life that she wants, unless this life is just in because she doesn't want to make that connection with a person again. So I like to believe she is driving back to, to Dave to uh, connect with him more fully. Wow. Totally different read. I had a complete opposite feeling. Yeah. I, that's what I want. 
in the film, what I think is, I don't know, but it just shows you see her just driving. You just see the back of the van driving in a direction. Yeah. So I genuinely believe when you see a shot like that with the theme of this film, yeah, it is very difficult to know what she's doing because that's the whole point is just to, you're a nomad, you're moving on. So my guess is if I had to guess what was happening, I would say she's just moving on. If I, if I say what I want is I want her and David Sertheron to be kissy partners. That's funny. Cause I don't even, I don't think that is not what I desire. You know, I, I, I think that she was happiest. I, you know, when she steps out of her old house, I think that is, that is her like kind of, you know, putting some of this grief behind her, yes. but I feel, I still, I feel like that was important for her to put, put some of that grief behind her. But I feel like, she was happiest when she was alone. She was happiest when she was out of everybody. And she, she opens the door to the mountains and she is like driving into the mountains. And I thought you do it, you know, keep being a nomad, find those beautiful, you know, find that river, find that mountain, be out there again. I felt like it was her getting past some of that grief, emptying the the sadness in her heart and still going with what I feel made her happy, which was, uh, being by herself. See, I don't, I did not get that. She was happy by herself. I never saw happiness. I never saw her smile. I never saw her character be happy. Even when she was in those idyllic spaces floating in the water, I didn't read happiness necessarily. I mean, happiness is a, that's a big word for it. You know, I, I, I mean, I didn't see happiness, in any, but it, I think when she was around other people um, or they were like trying to get her to do what they wanted her to do instead of what she wanted to do, right. I felt like that was not happy. Right. Uh, so I, it, it's, it's about her choosing choosing to be with him if she really wants to, because there's moments between them and it's very subtle. And that's what I liked, those scenes between the two of them, where you can see her start to enjoy the company and then pull back like they're yes. choosing to pull back but yes. then then you have that conversation with bob about it's okay not to get over it and it's it hurts and we have to do what we have to do and then you see her go back to that house and look around like you said kind of releasing some of that grief or at least acknowledging it yeah but she does have these moments with like linda may and with swanky where she does connect and she does smile and yeah. laugh and joke yeah around. she does oh yeah so, she had yeah and true. that's not alone. That's, that's not being alone. That's connecting with another that's, person. That's true. So part of me thinks that maybe she's gone to this house. She's let go a little bit of this like idea that I can't ever connect with anyone again because they'll get hurt and just say, you know, it may, I may get hurt. This hurts, but I'm, I'm moving on. And then she drives away. It's very possible in my mind that she's like, I can connect with another person now. I don't. And I didn't read. I didn't read like at her happiest ever in this movie. Yeah, that's that's very fair. That 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 is very fair, and I, I I feel like, but she needed to do those things. Sure, oh I yeah, feel. and I and feel like she needed to have both. She she was happy when she yeah. was like when she had those relationships and she had those connections. Those made her happy, and I feel like those satisfied her. And also, the being alone satisfied her, and and she needs that distance and that independence. And it's yeah. like she she just didn't want to be dependent on on anyone, and that yeah. is like being able to have her own agency and do her own thing. That is like that's what she needed, right? You know, and 
And, and she doesn't I, have to. And she doesn't have to give that up with she Dave either. Oh man, you keep bringing it back to Dave. <laughs> no, I, she doesn't give that up with Dave. I think she does listen, have to give that up with Dave. I think if she no. wants to be with Dave, then that that is that is that is her. All uh, it is you know, is connecting with another person. He he has that's the that's the thing that I think drives it home. It says his character, as we talked about, doesn't put any requirements on her. Doesn't she, pressure he does her to not. do anything. He, he, no, he doesn't. So she does what she wants with him in her life. Like you can have another person in your life without being like driven by what they need. And it's a lesson we all need to learn. But also just being with <laughs> someone is going to is going to drag you down somehow. What? That's a big <laughs> Justin Barney, being with someone is going to drag you down somehow. Maybe I don't know. Maybe this is a little glimpse into my this own is mind. Different. This is a different podcast we're switching to. Maybe we're maybe we're going into some other issues. Psychological buds comes comes to you by the members of Milwaukee Film and Eighty Nine. Yeah. Wow. I think we just dug Sorry. into some dirt and I think we wow. got to get you on the couch and sit you down <laughs> on this couch. Let's talk it out. I'm starting to see this film through a different lens. <laughs> oh, that's I a think, fun one. I think that this, I think that this movie was really, um, I thought that it was really fair to this lifestyle too. Yeah. I, I think there is, there is like a, you can go into this and say that, it would be real easy to glorify the life of a nomad, you know? And like, yeah. I feel like a lot of those things are like, like that book that you read. I don't want to like talk smack about this book, but I feel like a lot of those things are like, I lived without money and so can you. So you should do exactly what I'm doing because right. isn't it great and fun and, and amazing like all the time. And I'm choosing this lifestyle and I'm better than you. And, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I feel like this, like Nomadland showed a lot of the hardships. It was like, this is, it's not yeah. easy to be a nomad. You have to like, your bathroom is a bucket, you know? Yeah. And, and, and life is hard. And sometimes your house breaks down and you have to borrow money from your, your cousin. I, I felt like it, it did not yeah. glorify that in the way that it could have. And I felt right. like it was real honest about what making that the, the practical, um, results of making that kind of decision. Yeah. I feel like it's a very, very fair portrayal of a lot of stuff like that. I, and when I say I want her to be with Dave, that is again, very much just, I like those two characters together, but <laughs> I do. I mean, I do think that is a perfectly legitimate and wonderful conclusion. I also think if you find out that being on your own and living this lifestyle <laughs> is, is your, is that's genuinely yeah. what you choose. That's great too. And I think yeah. the movie reflects that like both of these lifestyles are so fine. Like they're so good for you. If that's what you need, essentially you need to find what you need. So yeah, they didn't glorify it. They didn't, uh, they didn't glorify it, but they didn't denigrate it either. They gave it its due respect as well, which is, it's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Being with someone is not going to drag you down. I just need to, yeah, <laughs> I just, uh, I just need to clear. I just need to clear that air. It is good being with other people. Other yeah. people are wonderful. I love them, and especially yes. if they're David Strathairn. <laughs> especially sweet, right. sweet man. I think we really aired out all the issues, Christopher. Well, I think we just uh, scratched the surface, my friend. <laughs> but 
You know, there's a time <laughs> you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. That's true. <laughs> no, right. let's, uh, what else? We, let's, I really want to do what else I've been watching. Okay. Um, uh, I have, I'll go first since yeah. you brought it up. Please. Aside from, um, uh, the remains of the day. Yeah. Aside from that, you know what I watched? What? Austin Powers. Well, <laughs> God bless you. I was like, I, it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, I just need something. Yeah. You know, I just need something to put on. And it was there. And it is so absurd. Yeah. And it is so silly. It just works. So it I'm, is, glad, it I'm glad just, to hear it holds up. It. Yeah, I mean it it like it is such a strange movie. You know, it is it is just like Did you watch the first one? It's bizarre. Yeah. You know what's fascinating to me is one that franchise ruled the world when it, it came out. Ru- it was like it's so hard for me to believe how it just like took over the world because it's such a It's a huge huge franchise. It's so non-conventional, you know? It it is like it's such a it well, is like the, so dumb and yeah. uh, and like, and the humor is so crass, but also like the concept is so weird and funny. It is a lot more absurd than I you expect from such a big budget kind of. Big it deal is. Comedy. It is absurd. <laughs> and I will say, especially God, I just love third movies a lot. When you get to the third in that series, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I, they, uh, I genuinely believe they literally said to themselves, "It doesn't matter anymore. We can right. do." It became weirder and weirder in that one. Yeah. When you have been playing in the playground of the absurd for two movies and you're like, well, you can't go to normal. You have to go weirder. Yeah. Let's use every take that most people would add to uh, like a gaff reel and just put that in the movie. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta watch the next. Time. I should, I should revisit that. Yeah, I, that's, that's fun. What are you I watched watch? a similar, uh, not a different but equally absurd movie. I watched Sisters uh, by Brian De Palma, and it's like a, this classic. It's from 1972 horror film about uh, conjoined twins that were separated. Okay, um, and uh, but you don't find that out until f- a little bit into the film, but. It's pretty clear by the title and poster of the film. Uh, <laughs> it's it's such a strange movie. Margot Kidder is like the star of it. I'm and Charles, to look at, oh, 1972? Yeah. Charles Durning okay. is in it playing a detective. And is really good as the detective. It, it's just incredibly odd. Very, very schlocky for the, yeah. like, that, like the horror films of that time should be. And, uh, I th- in certain moods, I could see just being annoyed by it, but I loved it. Wow. Sisters, was how did you really- decide to watch that? Uh, I think that was on the Criterion channel, okay. and I was just kind of going through. I'd heard of Sisters because uh, Brian De Palma's early career is kind of kind of strange. That he ended up doing like legitimate, hard boiled kind of rough films in his later mm-hmm. life, but mm-hmm. he did some strange stuff early on, so it was fun. Great. Uh, All right. Phantom of the Paradise, too, which I definitely need to watch. I have not watched yet, but I have a feeling it will be my favorite film one day. All right. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. Okay. Nomadland. It's on Hulu. Um, 
watch it. It's going to bring up some stuff. It's going to bring up some stuff. (laughs) That's for sure. All right. Cinnabuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. The DJ Kenny Perez? The DJ Kenny Perez. In the mix with DJ Kenny Perez. Our theme song is from Milwaukee musician Brett Newski. The Newsk. We get handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. And thank you to our members at 88.9 Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. So good. And uh, sometimes life is better with someone else. Yeah, and sometimes. My, and my someone else is Davis Christopher Pollard. Oh. So thank you, Christopher. That came like a shot out of the blue. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Okay. I'll, we'll see you further down the road. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs>